Support for this podcast comes from you and Yankwich & Associates, since 1997 working to provide expert, responsive service in intellectual property law to biotech, biopharmaceutical, and biochemical companies worldwide. More information at yankwich.com. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. CambridgeSavings.com slash CSB1. 5,000 feet. There's that engine relay. Landing gear deployed. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. What you just heard is a rocket from the company Blue Origin, which wants to get tourists into orbit next year. And probably, not surprisingly these days, it is owned by Amazon. SpaceX, meanwhile, which was started by Elon Musk, who also founded Tesla, has talked about sending ordinary people to the moon, and it has already landed a rocket on a drone ship. Our producer, Mark Solinger, loves space, and he's been looking at how the space race is opening up to private companies and to regular consumers. Mark, thanks for coming in to talk about this. Thanks. So before we dive into the business of space, I just want to ask you, um, how did you first come to love space? I mean, to be perfectly honest, Star Wars and to a lesser extent Star Trek, (laughs) like my love of space battles kind of just transformed into an actual love of real space science. I I think that is true for a lot of people. But um, if you are not into Star Trek or Star Wars, perchance, why should we care about like the space industry? Well... We don't often think about it, but the space industry kind of like uh, makes our modern life possible, really. Like communications, smartphones, GPS, so much of it depends on satellites and rockets. So you went to a conference at MIT about this new era in the business of space. Give me a sense of what is going on right now. Yeah. So for one thing, there's a lot of money being invested into the industry. In 2015, there were almost $2 billion being put into space startups. And that's more in one year than in the previous 15 years combined. Wow. Uh, But there's also breakthrough science. You've got people building ion rockets. There's talk of mining asteroids. There are lawyers who specialize in space law. And yes, (laughs) space lawyer is the coolest type of lawyer you can be. It's a a niche area of the law, for sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I actually encountered a company called Spaceflight Industries, which is bringing a kind of ride sharing to rockets. So if you've got a small company you can buy space, no pun intended, on a rocket and get a little satellite into orbit. So this is like um, sort of getting your stuff into the cargo hold of a plane, which companies do all the time. But obviously this is a plane going way beyond any plane I've ever been on. Exactly. Uh, But one of the things that interested me the most about the conference was that underneath the involvement of big players like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, there's a lot of smaller companies trying to get a piece of the action. So, as you know, I have often been skeptical of sort of the space industry. Um, But it is interesting, actually, to think about Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, because these are people who have been very focused on success here on Earth um, and really thinking about what technology people will actually adopt, what is right around the corner. So the fact that they are focused on space now makes me think they see a real value proposition here. 
Right, right, exactly. So beyond the way that space already impacts our daily lives, which I talked about before, there's a belief, which Elon Musk has expressed, that more far out things like colonizing the moon and Mars is is doable. What what I really want to try to uh, achieve here is to make Mars seem possible, uh, make it seem as though it's something that we can do in our lifetimes. And for the people who believe in his vision, it is what's around the corner. I talked to uh, Keegan Kirkpatrick, the founder of Redworks, who basically runs a Martian construction startup, uh, which has figured out how to <laughs> how to build on the red planet. And while it's waiting for us to, you know, colonize Mars, they're using the technology they developed to help build structures differently on Earth. Mm. And their idea is to use essentially the rocky dirt of Mars to construct dwellings, which they say is a lot like building early American pueblos, and it's a lot like what's called welded tuff that was used to build many homes in the Roman Empire. Welded tuff is a volcanic compound that's somewhere between granite and pumice in terms of its structural integrity. It's stronger than brick, about as strong as concrete, so you can make very, very strong building material terrestrially that is very similar to what was used thousands of years ago with no additional binders and can be made entirely on site. So you don't have to import water or concrete or clay to make bricks. I love that when we get to the future, like when we get to Mars... It'll look like Pueblos. It'll look like the Roman Empire. It's literally back to the future. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to start all this by building on Earth. And that approach isn't unique to them. It's called terrestrial first, Hmm. which means researching and developing technologies for space and then using that research for technology here on Earth. And this has happened before. NASA's research led to the development of Tempur-Pedic, new types of baby formula, smartphone cameras, uh, just a few examples. So... Are there obstacles here, as far as you can tell, in terms of, you know, things that might stop the private space industry from really doing well, from making money, um, from accomplishing the kind of goals that, you know, Elon Musk has? Well, first off, space is hard. It's different than four people in a garage writing code and creating the next Facebook. Satellites and rockets are extremely complicated machines, and investing in space doesn't always provide immediate returns. I talk with Ellen Chang, who works with new space-oriented companies, and she's really optimistic about the future, but she admits that it's difficult to attract the money of venture capitalists, VCs, who are kind of the lifeblood of new companies and new industries. Of 3,000 venture firms out there, I would say probably 30, maybe 50 are interested in space. And so I just want to provide that context. Those that are interested are super interested and are increasingly bullish. Those that are skeptical remain skeptical. And there's also the fact that the price of getting something into space is still really steep, $5,000 to $10,000 per pound. So it limits the materials you can get up in there. Um, But if you step back and look at the big picture, the public is interested, the money is there, and it seems like the industry is just going to get bigger. One thing that kind of reflects this optimism was a conversation I had towards the end of the conference with one of its uh, student organizers, a guy named Barrett Schlegelmilch, who's working on a master's in aero-astro engineering. <laughs> I did not even know that was a word, much less something you could get a master's in, but okay, go ahead. It is very uh, impressive and much more impressive than my it... radio, television, <laughs> film major. Um, and I asked him what his family thinks about him entering the sector. Uh, they're they're very excited about it. Um, so dream since I was a little kid is to be an astronaut. I've always been interested in space. I grew up in uh, in Hawaii on the Big Island where we could see the night sky very clearly, and that's why it's so exciting to see the industry, the private space industry, really 
booming right now. And to be able to be involved with humanity's next steps, you know, past planet Earth into a sustainable system where, you know, we're not just a single planet species. So they're uh, happy and uh, very excited for me when I when I talk to them about it. So and so am I. That's great. I like that in 2017, you can say to your parents, I want to make sure we're not just a single planet species, you know, that we don't just live here on Earth. And they say, sounds good, kid. <laughs> I mean, it's I think it's where we're headed. And I mean, I, for one, would love to live on Mars. I mean, wouldn't you? I think that you can check it out for me and let me know what you think. (laughs) Uh, Mark Sollinger is a producer here at Innovation Hub. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you. And on our website, we've got more about the new age of space exploration, including a video of the first reusable rocket ever launched by a private company. That's at innovationhub.org.